At its most basic, conversational business is the idea that companies are using messaging-based interfaces to interact with their customers and extend their product offerings. You can hear more about that in episode 32, where our own Jason Brenier gives a great primer on conversational interfaces, chatbots, and the underlying technology supporting them. With conversational business becoming increasingly mainstream, this week we wanted to broaden out that conversation by listening to a panel of experts as they pick up where Jason left off in a fascinating discussion about bots, emojis, personal privacy, and more. I'm John Pryle. Welcome to the Impact Podcast. At our recent annual portfolio conference, Jason Brenier hosted a Q&A panel discussion with a variety of experts representing the full range of the conversational business stack. We heard from messaging platform provider Kick, from chatbot building platform Automat, and a provider of data analysis as a service, Simply Insight. Let's pick things up with Andy Morrow, the CEO of Automat, as he describes the verticals that are most interested in bots, as well as where the greatest opportunities for disruptions lie. The verticals I want are not the verticals that are coming to us, right? Completely, right? So which is, there, there's some that are. I mean, so f- like FinTech, FinServices stuff is really hot to trot for bots. I think it's because they're comfortable with it, right? They were early adopters on IVR because they had a business problem that was big enough to warrant going into really like deep waters of new tech. And um, so we're seeing a lot of interest from the sort of what I would call traditional like FinServe and Telco but the area that I think is most ripe for disruption is a little bit of the online to offline stuff, and we are seeing a lot of interest there. So retailers are really interested, and they're doing something interesting that I think makes a ton of sense, right? Which is they're saying, we want to put people in our contact center that are not customer service reps, but are like salespeople. So an example of you know, somebody who, in a makeup environment, makeup is a, is a sale that benefits a ton from having a human in a white smock in the room, right, with you telling you about it and customizing it. And there's active ingredients, so there's even, like, liability issues there if they buy the wrong thing and gets in their eye and it's wrong, all that kind of stuff. So we're seeing a trend towards saying we want to have somebody with somebody who's in an e-commerce scenario obviously use a bot, but also potentially somebody who doesn't want to talk to someone, walk into a store, in-store, offline experience, and still be asking the same kinds of questions they might ask to a person. And when the bot isn't smart enough to get it, that we've got the right people behind the scenes who can step in and answer the question. So the white smocks in the contact center, um, there's definitely enough signal on our side that that is going to be something that starts to happen, which I think is cool. Like, who you, who doesn't want to walk into Home Depot and, like, not have to find one of the three people in orange, you know, whatever, not smocks. You know, so I think having that, that using a bot to automate what you can and then triage into a human in retail, I think is definitely something that's going to happen for sure. A good lesson from Andy here is to make sure you step out of your comfort zone and where people think the market is going and you figure out where your business could go. So then Jason turns the discussion to Joe Rideout, product manager for expression at Kick, and asks about the future of emoji and other forms of conversational expression that help users engage with each other. Joe, what's the emoji of the future? What are some of the some, what are some of the features that we can expect to see within within messaging? We've seen so much already around you know emojis and uh, animated gifs, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, where do you think all of this is is going to end up? Yeah, it's interesting. So um, 
It was a research study I was looking at recently, which they asked people why they used emoji. Everybody, everybody knows what emoji is, right? <laughs> so um, turns out the number one reason uh, is actually um, to be properly understood. Um, so it's not you know, because emojis are colorful and fun. It's because um, when you move to asynchronous text-based conversation, there's a lot of emotion and nuance that gets lost. And so emoji. You lose intonation. You lose process. Yeah, you lose you know, facial expressions, body language, and all that stuff actually apparently, I don't, I don't know how, how much truth there is to this, but it you know, fires different neurons in your brain. Supposedly there was some study that said that emoji actually fires up the same neurons in the recipient as body language and facial expressions. So emoji lets you sort of add the context and the tone to a message um, and also you know, just give very specific ideas where there isn't really words to it. So you know, some of these emojis that are specific, facial expressions, it's harder to put that into words. Uh, and so. Like at Kick, we see more broadly just a trend around extending from this, you know, small set of emoji characters that's set by Unicode into a much broader set of things like stickers, animated GIFs, animated stickers, um, but really all coming from that, um, you know, I guess addressing some of those emotional limitations of this this text-based environment. Mm -hmm. I want to take a little bit of time also to um, talk about this idea of bot or not, and where is automation appropriate, and um, is it appropriate to keep uh, humans in the loop, and what roles uh, will uh, humans take in, in messaging um, and uh, bots, if not just as users? <coughs> Andy, you want to take that one? I think you should also like coin like the term bot or not, and that should be like the new <laughs> Turing test. Like The Lobner Prize should now be bot or not. I think it's more millennial. Um, anyway, in terms, we've always said. I mean, we say very little publicly right now, but you know, we talk about human expertise and artificial intelligence. We're big believers in that. Um, Ninety-nine point repeating nine percent of conversations over messenger or messaging applications right now are human to human. It's Looney Tunes to think that we're going to move to a hundred percent bot. Um, the thing that I do think um, hasn't been touched on enough, though, is if you think about today's current systems that are automated, they have this notion of escalation, and escalation is always one way, right? Nobody ever in the history of, say, phone-based systems or mobile systems has ever sent somebody back into the automated system. It's always like, this thing sucks, get me out of here. And I think with messaging, there's this opportunity because it's just a bubble and then a bubble and then a bubble and then a bubble where you can actually interleave human and automated conversation. And so where this comes into play directly talking to customers is, um, can I do some upfront sales triage? So there's a whole area of concierge retail that's appearing, right, where it's like I want an actual person with taste and you know, uh, opinion to actually give me recommendations. And some of it might even be surprising, right? Machines will give you things you've liked in the past, but they'll never surprise you and say, oh, yeah, like this is cool. I never thought I would wear white jeans, <laughs> which I will never wear. But anyways, you know, that kind of thing. But you have humans who can do that kind of stuff. And, and so I think interleaving the human and the automated portion of it is actually really uh, ripe for uh, discovery and sort of saying, hey, collect some stuff, get it to a human. The human gives me a recommendation and then hand me back to the bot to do checkout, right? And that actually is the enabling force that lets a company staff up a contact center of sales experts because they're not stuck doing the mundane stuff. So I think people have talked about this for a long time, but I think messaging just as, a, as an interface is going to be the enabling function for that where you're just moving between bots and humans uh, interchangeably. 
um, should bots uh, identify themselves as, as such when they become part of that process? I'm so conflicted about this. Like, there's been lots of studies that say that you absolutely should. Um, and uh, the, the question, I think bots need to say um, when they're bots, the question is do humans need to see when they're humans, right? Can you have a human kind of like get you over the speed bump of the AI being too dumb? and then actually continue without knowing that a human jumped in the loop, and that's the one that I'm a little conflicted on. So, The last of our panelists is Amanda Parker, CEO of Simply Insight. Thinking about the handoffs between bots and humans won't be instinctive. You just have to dig in. It's fascinating to hear Amanda talk about her experience determining what gets done, when, and to whom. Amanda, we, we saw that um, you also use uh, human, humans in the loop for, um, for some of your, your product as well. Um, as, as you've gone through the process of integrating, uh, humans are finding the right uh, point in time where that handoff takes place. Um, are there any principles or guidelines that, that you could share um, as, as you've gone through that? Well, we're seeing kind of the same kind of usage that uh, Andy mentioned was like the reverse uh, like escalation, uh, where oftentimes like maybe it'll route a, a more complex you know answer to data scientist or the you're you're seeing kind of the typical process that that's what they know to do is go to that person, but now sometimes the data analyst, data scientists go, you can actually use this tool to answer that. Like you mm -hmm. you don't need me. Um, and, and so we're seeing that. The yeah, yeah. This this is going to be faster um, mm -hmm. than me me doing it. Um, right. And it's not one of those. This isn't my job. This is a yeah. This is going to this is going to get you to what you need a lot, maybe a lot faster. Or here are the tools that you need. So we're seeing that. And actually, we kind of accidentally tested out the bot versus human, um, where we actually had titled our bot just bots, and sometimes it was human responding, sometimes it was bot responding, um, and we didn't even realize it, and, and the, our users didn't know the difference. They, they just, they thought it was a human um, in, in most cases, uh, even when the bot was actually responding. So we thought that was interesting, and I, I'm in the same camp. We don't know what to do with that, um, whether we should, you know, say whether it's a, a human that's answering or if it should be a, a very clearly indicated that it's a bot. With regard to um, interaction data and you know, learning and the process of, of automation, what can we learn from, from interaction data and what form uh, should that interaction uh, data be in? Um, should it be just text? Uh, is there something to be learned from the context in which uh, uh, the conversation is taking place? Uh, how can we leverage that? Uh, we're all about the context. We have to know who the user is. Um, you know what position they are within the organization. Uh, it's in order to a surface up, you know, a kind of intelligent, context-aware insight. Because uh, you know what I care about as an executive versus maybe what I care about as an analyst are going to be two probably different things. Um, and, and applying that, and then uh, we're only in text right now, um, and I think that'll probably stay that way um, for for a very long time. Um, because you're not going to be wanting to walk down the street and you know talk to, about your funnel to your to your bot. It's probably all going to be text in our case. But we have seen so one of our partners, SciSense, they partnered with the Echo uh, to be able to do that, and they tried it out where it was like sitting in meetings, you have the Echo there, and you're starting to ask questions to the Echo, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what that uh, what if that continues because you're not going to necessarily want to shout that out in the middle of your office you know what was my funnel so, yeah and we saw Andy um, with your platform um, there was some feedback that was being captured from from users how does how does that work and 
how do you how do you leverage that context? Well, I mean, on the question of like what can you learn, right? I mean, that you can definitely learn. Jason and I were talking about this earlier. You can learn the question side of it, like what people say to you, um, and you know, it's worth mentioning too because people throw these like deep learning terms around all the time. Like it's legit. I have two PhDs on staff, and we're at levels of accuracy that took teams who were when we were building 15 years ago, like teams of dozens, if not hundreds, to get to, and that's a big deal, right? And so part of what we're learning. As a result of that, and this is one way to think about it, it's hackneyed if you know the science underneath it, but when I say tell me, I'm sort of heading down a trajectory in your mind, tell me what? Tell me about? Well, now about in space is like about stuff, about people, about things, about products, about whatever. Tell me a joke is like a very different area. Um, and when we when we are able to learn those kinds of things, we're able to learn a certain amount around just about language, and understand that you know in space, tell me about is going to be closer to a bunch of different things. And when I say tell me something funny, I can learn that funny is related to jokes, and I can learn about words, and that's part of what makes it so that you don't need a PhD. This this the underlying deep learning science behind it allows us to build models that allow people to build great stuff, and that all boils down to. How are people going to talk to me? You can learn about that much more easily than you used to be able to if you've got the right technology under it. What you cannot learn, well, scientifically, you can do what's called like language generation. You can generate the output, but no brand in the world is going to let an algorithm output that. So for example, the things that have been tested sort of famously is like ingest the combined works of Shakespeare. And like it's very surprising. It turns out that tone and style is emulatable by a machine, meaning it'll crank out like Shakespearean prose till the cows come home, but it's gibberish. Tay. Tay, tay is another example, right? So stone, t tone and style is actually emulatable today, what is not is content. And so the edit, there's a big editorial side to what the bot says back to you, and part of that is just business reality of brands are not going to relinquish that. But I, I will say this. This is... Bots are going to be a joke if it's only about distribution. If it's just about a moment in time where messaging, everyone's looking for a third runtime, messaging seems like it could be it, it has to be tied in a meaningful way to the bigger trend, which is there's, never, there's not going to be messaging natives, but there is going to be AI natives, people who grow up and their friend is AI. I know that's Looney Tunes, but the way that we seed that data set today is starting from messaging. And so my belief is that the important thing we'll look back on five or 10 years from now is that messaging collected data. If you're a business, you need to collect the data about your business because you're going to own that and that's going to be the valuable component. And so, and I think the, the messaging conversations are going to be the place where we collect all that data and then one day we will be able to learn how to respond as well, but we're not there today. Amanda, question for you. Um, you've, you've kind of built a messaging first uh, business, if you will. You really started with the messaging where uh, a lot of folks are going through this process right now of adding messaging to to an existing uh, business. How is um, what you're doing different from from the process that many others are are going through right now? And um, are there some you know tips that you could you could uh, share with us? Yeah. So we actually didn't even start out that that way. Um, we just found that chat was the easiest way, um, and, and we kind of went let's do it all. So like let's really great free form. Um, and what we learned instead was that users do, really don't want that experience in our case. Um, you know, they want to go to an expert. They want something that's very niche. Um, so we, we actually kind of reversed and shrunk the, the product back down 
um, and when, let us deliver you insight, and then you can ask kind of questions on top of that. So you're really getting that expertise level. So, you know, when you're looking at building out a, a chat application on top of your service tool, you know, I would say keep that in mind that they're looking for an expert um, and not necessarily just to do complete free form as we think, you know. And we also learned very quickly that it, that is a very, very hard thing to build out um, and a very hard thing for users to actually get value from. So it, it's, you know, the classic startup, like what, what do users need to get value from? Um, you know, what insight do they need to walk away with? Um, and in most cases, they're okay with that kind of push versus that and them really wanting to pull it out of the system. Andy, is there a future for speech in all of this? Um, that's super interesting. So Tim O'Reilly um, and I went for, he was in Montreal uh, a couple months ago. We went for a long walk and like the bulk of that walk was him <coughs> telling me that I was totally screwing up by defining bots as being messaging based and that the enduring long-term trend was all about voice and that messaging was the moment in time. Um, he wrote a really good think piece actually on Medium or LinkedIn around about Alexa, which is worth reading um, for perspective on that. Of, there's for sure a place for voice, but voice is so much harder and more messy. And like, I spent 15 years doing voice and I really did lose my religion on it. And I lost my religion on it due to data, right? Which is, we, we thought, I, I really did think when we built Nina and we built mobile voice assistance, I said, I'm going to make up for all these shitty IVRs, like all this <laughs> like real pain I've inflicted upon the world, right? I thought, I'm going to fix it all because it's going to be awesome to talk to your mobile phone, right? It's a small screen. It's a bad keyboard. It's like an awesome microphone. Like the world is ready for this. And it just turned out that people don't want to talk to mobile. Like Siri does 2 billion transactions a week, but like the denominator on that is like a million, hundred or a billion devices times you pull it out of your pocket 150 times a day, times you do two or three things every time you pull it out of your pocket, that's sub 1%, right? And that's about what we saw with most of the other mobile voice products out there. And so people like Alexa because Alexa has a great microphone and you don't have to yell at it, which is part of it. And then it's just scoped. Like how much stuff are you going to do in your kitchen? So I'm a big believer in private spaces. That's in your home, in your car, uh, places like that is where people seem to want to use voice, but like this is the lingua franca, like your thumbs are the lingua franca of mobile. And so I just think that it's, um, it's not a we're not there scientifically with the, like the, the product level. It's a, I don't think we're ever going to get there. People like being able to text their spouse on the plane and be cutesy and not be like mwah, 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 like live on the plane. Like you don't want to do that, right? And you're never going to want to do that. So I think I think there's a place in private spaces. Quite the ride, and it was quite the session. From the future of emoji to privacy, content, automation, and interface design, we've covered it all. We've heard from representatives of different parts of the chatbot ecosystem and learned about some of the great progress that's been made so far on a variety of fronts. We're still early on our journey towards fully exploiting conversational business, but we're moving quickly and can expect to see some exciting developments over the coming months. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. For the Impact Podcast, I'm John Pryor.